So you were born into an artistic and particularly a... Yes. <laughs> and when did you decide that you wanted to become an actor and what made that decision for you? As a little girl, I thought I would go to school to study theater and in the meantime do everything that I wouldn't have time to do once I got in theater. So I played the violin in an orchestra. I competed quite a lot in track and field and cross country and you know, but I you know, I said unless something I'd rather do comes along, I will either be an actress or a private detective. <laughs> They're related in many ways. That brings up an interesting question. You speak of acting as if going down that path professionally eliminates a lot of other opportunities for you to explore in your life. Like a great athlete who has to focus on his craft, do you feel that the amount of time you spend focusing on the craft of acting detracts from other areas of your life? Let's see, as David McCann said on your show about the authorship question, oh, we don't want to go down that slippery slope. <laughs> That's how I feel about this question. I do think that, at least for me, the pursuit of acting has been prohibitive in other areas of my life. Socially, for instance, you know, I leave home all the time. Uh, I uproot people, strangers live in my home while I'm gone. I work primarily in theater, so I'm not making a lot of money, and I'm not, you know, building a lot of security, uh, financial security anyway. So, you know, I, I'm limited to where I can travel. On, I can't take vacation. I can't, you know. Yes, I do think it's prohibit prohibitive time-wise. You know, when you're in a show, um, when you're in performance, you have a lot of time. You have the daytime free, but when you're rehearsing it's often more than eight hours especially tech or you're rehearsing and doing another show to bring in money so you can pay the rent or doing another job like catering which is one of my other jobs so you're you're rehearsing you're working what time do you have to meet people and have a relationship and a family you guys have managed I have not. <laughs> so yeah I think it is well for for the people who are who are going to listen to this podcast I mean why do you keep doing it if all there, there's all these prohibitions? Well, I think it's important. I actually think uh, I did Tea and Sympathy years ago. And, you know, it's an old play. And, some, and the movie is terribly hackneyed. But the play is beautiful. And it's about a young boy who's different than the, the other boys he's gone to school with. He wants he doesn't want to play sports. He wants to listen to music and stay with the the woman of the house and you know sew instead of and he is basically tormented by the other kids and by the woman's husband, the big uh, coach who's a bully. And my director would watch the audience during our show. and as it was revealed that, this woman's husband is the man, is the one with a problem, not this young, sensitive boy. He would see couples grabbing for each other's hands, men putting their arms around their wives' shoulders, you know, uh, pulling out a hanky to hand each other. Just that kind of what? What's a word? Community. It's community. Communal yeah. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I say to my students, everybody should take an acting class, hmm. simply because I think the other, I think there are. Perhaps uh, a church ceremony provides this, but one of the things that theater foists upon you in a way is the idea of empathy. Yeah. Because you are going to immediately attach yourself to one character or another and follow their journey. Yeah. Um, And you're going to start to empathize with them. 
and I think that's a huge thing that film and television don't really do. They're, they're, they're entertaining. Right. If I may, the moment I uh, found out that acting was very powerful, that it had power and import to it, it was actually on television. It was during MASH, uh, the old series MASH, with Gary Berghoff. I don't know if you guys watched it. Radar O'Reilly. Radar O'Reilly. He comes into the ER during one of the episodes, and he's not wearing a mask, and, you know, Hawkeye tries to kick him out, and he's there to deliver the news that Colonel Henry Blake's plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. There were no survivors. And I think those are the two lines he has, something yep. very similar to that. The way Gary Berghoff did that, it, it looked like that it took all the energy he had just to say those two lines, and he was going to collapse. And I was a little girl watching this, and my whole family was there, and my my parents were not particularly affectionate with one another, yet at that moment, they grabbed each other's hands. My two older brothers constantly fought. At that moment, they stopped fighting. My grandmother, who was always working and industrious and always crocheting, stopped and was watching. We were all silent in a moment together, watching together, all moved by this. You can hear in my voice, I'm still like, oh. I'm getting chills. I remember yeah. the episode. It was amazing. And I, I just was like, wow. That's acting. That's theater. 